Welcome to the Hotel News Now podcast. I'm H&N Managing Editor Robert McCann, and today, in recognition of Black History Month, we're going to be talking about Black hotel history. And I don't know anyone who knows more about Black hotel history than my guest and friend, Calvin Stovall. Calvin is a keynote speaker, author, and hospitality historian with nearly 30 years of experience in the hospitality industry. And Calvin's been working on a book, soon to be on the nightstands and bookshelves and hoteliers everywhere, that chronicles the impact that Black Americans have had on the hotel industry since the late 18th century. Calvin, thank you for being here. Hey, I'm, I'm excited to be here, Robert. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, Calvin, to get us started, you have a mantra that I just love. Be iconic. We're going to hear <laughs> about some icons featured in your book. But first, tell us, what does it mean to you to be iconic? Oh wow! Well, you know, you know what I I I love um, iconic brands and um, brands that are able to continue to thrive regardless of all the madness that's going on around them um, and continue to stay relevant. So uh, any brands that are iconic, um, or even people that are iconic that are able to you know stay relevant, continue to learn, continue to grow, continue to be successful and thrive in um, um, even in challenging environments. That's that's what iconic is all about. It's a mindset. Um, you know, and, and and any hotel can be iconic, any brand, any person. It's it's all up in your head, you know. It's how you perceive and look at things and how you um uh, how you move forward. You know, one of my favorite sayings is life is not what is it? Uh, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. That's an iconic sure. mindset. That's an iconic yeah. mindset. Yeah. Iconic yeah, yeah. mindset. I love that. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. let's talk about your icon that you've created in the, in the hospitality space. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about how you got started. Tell us about your hotel history. What, you know, what if you've been doing this for some time, you're pretty like, yeah, like you're a face. People see you out at, at events. They know who you are. You're pretty well recognized. Like you're, oh, you're an icon, you. I would say, in this industry. So let's talk about that icon. Oh, wow. Thank you. That was very complimentary of you. So, man, you know what? I, I've been in the industry for a long time. I bleed hospitality. Um, I'm actually a native Chicagoan. Uh, my first job actually was at a, a, a front desk clerk at a Holiday Inn in downtown Chicago. And um, I've been in the industry pretty much ever since. Um, and I worked at several hotels there. I ended up going, you know, have an undergraduate from Chicago State University and then ended up going to um, Cornell's uh, Hotel School, their master's program. Master of Professional Studies there, and um, after that, I ended up moving, uh, relocating to Memphis, Tennessee, to work for it was then Promise Companies, um, where they own Harrah's and Embassy and Hampton and Homewood, um, and of course, coming from being a Chicago boy, going down to the South, that was that was a different experience for me, but truly enjoyed it, and um, ended up, uh, you know, working at the AGM at the Embassy Suites there, then transitioned into corporate. Long story short, um, this brand research for a while um, and then ended up vice president of brand marketing for Homewood Suites by Hilton. Uh, I was with I was with Homewood when they only had 35 hotels at the time <laughs> and, and and residence 10 was the, like the giant monster we needed to catch. Um, but, you know, of course, now I don't know how many hotels Homewood has, but um, I know there there's several hundred of them now for sure. Yeah. Um, but but had a uh, wonderful experience with them, but also worked in the nonprofit space a little bit with St. Jude Children's Research Hospital um, in their ALSAC arm where they do fundraising. And then 
Also, I love music. I love soul music. It's all in my speeches and my keynotes as well. Um, so I actually was the CEO of the Soulsville Foundation, which is based in Memphis and um, which is built out of Stax Records um, recording studio. They have a Stax Museum of American Soul Music on the campus, also a charter school and also a um, after school music program for at risk youth. Um, so did that for a while. But now um, I'm doing still doing speaking. I speak for I have my own company called Iconic Presentations. Yeah. And I speak for organizations, mostly hospitality, but also healthcare, as well as real estate management companies. And you know, I, I talk about how you could be iconic, how you could really stand out with um, um iconic customer you know, guest experiences and an engaged team and how much, you know, because leadership is everything. And, you know, I talk because I, I just truly believe you can't have a positive guest experience without a positive employee experience. So I talk a lot about how you got to make sure your team is engaged and they're, you know, rallying around the vision and all of that. But um, I have a great time doing that. I love inspiring people, um, love being on the platform and, and just having a good time. And so this book is kind of a natural part of me. Um, I've always loved Black history. Robert has always been a part of me, even as a as a kid. Um, so this, having, having an opportunity to write about these, I like to call them hidden figures of hospitality. Yeah. And, and you know, it's just, um, it's very important to me. And I just think it's stories that um, people need to hear and see. Yeah, Calvin, I, I want to hear, uh, I, I, we've talked about your book a uh, number of times over the past year. Calvin and I started talking about this book last year for Black History. <laughs> History. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And he started to write some columns for us for H&M. And we'll get to that. I want to talk a little bit more about your story. That you talk about inspiration. You talk about energy, bringing energy and inspiration to everything that you do. That first hotel job for you was it just a job, or like, you know, what what made you what made you get started as a front desk clerk? Like, what was in your mind at the time? And how did it become a career? You know, we talk a lot about how how people turn a job into a career, right? In the hotel industry and the, just the advancement opportunities. And I know there's a big push for that now uh, to get, you know, young people into the industry, but particularly young people of color, right? So mm -hmm. talk about um, talk about your inspiration and, and sort of like how that developed. You gave us the story of the resume speech, but talk a little bit about what the, the energy was at the time. Well, it it was it was it was a growing time when I got into it because this you're talking about the late '80s, um, so uh, I'm probably telling my age there, but that's okay. <laughs> but um, actually, believe it or not, I, I went to a, I went to a vocational school. Um, I was I was actually on the path to be an architect. Isn't that crazy? Okay. So I was I was majoring. I majored in drafting and all of that. And actually it's right out of high school, because uh, I didn't go immediately to college. I, I worked a few years at a engineering company um, as a draftsman, um, uh, you know, apprentice draftsman or whatever you okay. want to call it. And um, and so, I mean, it was cool, um, but I, I'm a high energy guy. It, it just wasn't, I can tell it just wasn't for me. Um, yeah. And so you one day, blueprints and you, you yeah, you, man, you I, was I, was, <laughs> I was delivering plans. I was just like, man, but it was cool. It paid nice, you know, and it was okay. And so um, uh, I, I actually, a, a, a friend of mine, um, I think his, I think I can't remember who it was. His sister was in the hotel industry at the time. And, and my buddy, he, his friend, man, I hate, I can't remember who told me this. He said, he was like, Calvin, man. My sister's in the hotel industry. You seem like, he's like, I don't, 
you don't seem like you would be behind a desk. You yeah. drawing, your energy right. is just different. He was like, man, you need you should have you ever thought about the hotel industry? I was like, mm, not really. He's like, man, she's doing well. You, I think you'll probably like it. So what what ended up happening is that um, at the time there was a I kept I kept my day job, and there was a it was called Echoes Echoes International Hotel School. It was just like you go there at night, take a couple of hotel classes yeah. and stuff like that. And there was an instructor. Her name was Karen. Her name is Karen Sock now. She was she she wasn't married at the time. It was Karen Mack, and um, she's an African American woman. And she just loved my energy. She was a GM at that at that Holiday Inn, and she was like, Calvin, I love your energy. Come work for me. Yeah. And that's how it started. That that was it. So I, I quit the the drafting job and I went over to work for Karen. And then that was it. I was bit by the bug. Um, Karen, she was very instrumental in my development, um, professionally, personally. Um, she was like, "You got to go get you a degree, man." So I ended up working full time at the front desk and going full time at night to night school. Um, I got out in four years and then just went on on to, to Cornell. But um, Karen just, we're still friends today, actually. Um, but she was, she was very instrumental in my growth. Um, throughout my hospitality career, I've had people that was just um, super gracious and nice and cared. Um, yeah. Jim Holthauser was another guy at Homewood Suites um, that helped me develop as well. I had a lot of people along the way help me. Gloria Cook, just, just a lot of people that were just poured into me, man. And helped me get to where I am. I didn't get here alone. Of course, good Lord above was always over it, but um, I, he just helped me run into some great people. And yeah. I, I've just, it's just been a great career. It's just like, boom, 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 boom. Now here I am, you yeah. know, um, but it, it, but it didn't happen alone by any means. Yeah. Well, yeah. it sounds a little like serendipity, uh, but I mean, <laughs> it's just, you were in the right place at the right time. You met the yeah. right people that sort of like helped you along. Um, you know, not everybody has that experience getting into getting yeah. into the industry. So, I mean, that's that's great that you did. But, like, um, what advice would you have to someone that you know was thinking about it, or you know, maybe was just looking for a career change and might think about hospitality? Yeah. What was I'm, the first I'm, lesson you learned about it that really kind of surprised you too? Um, the, the I think I think the first lesson about hospitality for me was um, I think a lot of people, even particularly back then. Um, you don't think about the corporate side of it. Everybody thinks it's just hotels. And so, which is great. I mean, I'm right. glad I got that, that, that property level experience is everything. Cause you understand um, what your staff deals with on a day to day. But a lot of people don't know there's like this whole backside of where all of the, you know, marketing happens for a brand mm -hmm. and all of the, you know, reservation stuff happens for a brand and operations for a brand. But I was fortunate enough um, uh, running into people and I, I kind of knew where I was headed. I wanted to be a vice president for yeah. a hotel company. Um, so I kind of, you know, I ran into the right people to help me along the way, but you, you got to kind of know where you want to go to. Um, but, but I just think, and I know you, you say people, you want people always say, "Man, I want to do what I'm passionate about," and I'm I'm super I'm a super believer in that. I think everybody has a gift, everybody has talents, 
And if you can, if you can cross, get that intersection of what you're passionate about, and you have the skill set, and 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 you can you can do it, um, you know. And so I just think that, um, and and ask for advice. I get yeah. you know, networking is everything, man. It's not right. you know, um, who knows who and all of that. It means everything. And I, I and it and it re, it came back to me again as I was writing this book. You know, I mean, there were so many people that, you know, I was like, wow, let me call this person. Let me call this person. So you just never know when somebody in your network is going to be uh, helpful to you. So you always got to be thinking about um, who, who who can I connect with? And and it's not always take, take, take. You want to make sure you're trying to give back as well. Um, but 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 networking and, 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 and knowing people is it means a lot, particularly if you're in a, in a trying to grow your career, it, yeah. it means everything. Um, and asking for advice and it's okay, man, you don't have to know all the answers, bro. It's always somebody else knows the answer for you, but you got to right. be willing That's to right. be humble enough to ask for help when you need yeah. it. Yeah. I had a similar experience, you know, when I started covering the industry, it's a, you know, I, you, you think about the hotel industry and there's just, it's really a microcosm of the world. Yeah, right? I mean, it is so many pieces of it, really. Like, you yeah. know, it starts with the people, but there's just like so many avenues you can go in. Right. You know, you can do, like you said, you know, there's the marketing side of it, there's the sales side of it, there's the revenue side of it, yeah. there's the, you know, the upfront desk, like, you know, connecting with the people side Man. of it. There's everything so many you can food think and of. beverage. I mean, it's like, right. that's the thing. It's a get, there is, in the hospitality industry, there is everything you can I don't, it's so many things that you can, you can branch off into, but you got to take the time to look into it, you know? Um, and, and I just, I just think it's just a fabulous industry. Um, I've been blessed to be able to run into so many people and meet so many people and have my hands in so many different kinds of projects, you know? Um, and I loved, I did love working on the property level, but again, I was so, I was, I'm a pretty driven guy. And so being in corporate as a vice president was a big deal for me. Um, and so, you know, I was blessed to be able to do it and, and then work with a fabulous team and leader, which was also great, you know? So, um, uh, yeah, it was, it's been great, man. It's been great. Well, there's just, it seems like there's just so much opportunity right now for anyone really to get into the industry. Like you said, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of jobs out there right now for people that want to get started in hotels. It wasn't always the case, and it right. certainly wasn't always the right. case for Black people in the and 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 really any industry, but the right. hospitality industry wasn't a, wasn't an easy one to crack. So let's mm. let's uh, transition now and talk about some of these stories that you're telling in your book. So your book, uh, tell us about it. with the title. Uh, tell us what what sort of the 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 seed of the idea like <laughs> the that you seed. had. Like, uh, how did it start? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, um, so so it actually started. I call I call it, it well. The name of the book is Hospitality Historiography, um, and I, I don't know if that will continue to be the title. We'll see. But that's what it started as. It was actually a monograph from graduate school um, at, at at Cornell. And so um, a, a good friend of mine, who I'm, I'm working with now, um, Evan Frazier, he was the chairperson of the National Society of Minority Hoteliers. They actually started at Cornell. Um, they have chapters nationwide now, but he wanted me to go do try to do some research on African American hotel ownership, historic perspective, right? Uh, for a conference they were planning, and so I was like, "Wow, I never really thought about that." 
And so, of course, I, I man, Robert, man, I was, I was, I went, I got into it, man, and I, I went way back, man. I was looking at stuff on Microfish, okay. And yeah, I know probably some point. of your list, I know some of your listeners are like, "What the heck is Microfish?" My, <laughs> oh man, I'll date no, myself too. I've, 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 uh, I've run that Microfish machine myself too. Oh man, man, turning and doing all that. Yeah. So. I, I was looking at, I mean, articles from like the 1900s. I got fascinated by it, and uh, it ended up becoming my monograph. Um, and it was just called Hospitality Historiography, an African-American Perspective. Um, and so it, it became my monograph. They, they put it in a nice, you know, of, of course they have a copy, but they put it in a nice black binder with some nice gold lettering for you to take. Um, so you fast forward, what, about 20 years or so, um, I was cleaning out some boxes and I found it. I was like, wow, you know, I was like, look at my mind. So I was going through, I was like, man, this is so cool. It was a friend of mine was here and she was like, what is that? I was like, well, it's my monograph. It's called Hospitality Historiography. She was like, what the heck is that? What is that about? I said, well, it's about black hotel ownership starting about the 1700s all the way through. She was like, what? We owned hotels. That was her exact, that was her exact reaction. So she grabs it and she's going through, right? And uh, she's like, oh my God, this is, I can't believe she's like, is this a book? And it was a, just like that. Yeah, it could be, could be, right? So. And that, and that's, and that was it. I, and so um, I, I started looking because I didn't want it to be, um, uh, I mean, it has a long subtitle. It is the subtitle was "Inspiring Stories of African American Hoteliers and Industry Pioneers Who Revolutionized the Hospitality Landscape." And so, like I said, they're like these hidden figures that people don't know about. And yeah. so, as I when I I didn't want it to be all text. I wanted to have pictures. I wanted to have pictures of the hotelier and the properties just to make it more um, engaging. And um, so I found um, Brown Books Publishing. They do a great job on uh, coffee table books, which is what it's going to be. And um, and so I have I have researched. Oh, because because what she asked me, uh, Millie is her name that owns the publishing. She's like, because I gave her a copy of the monograph, and she was like, "Can you find more stories?" I was like, "Well, let me see." Man, Robert, I started going down rabbit holes. Brother, yeah. and 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 I found so many great stories. Um, How were uh, you surprised they went back as far as they did to the 1700s? You're talking about like yeah, 18th century, 17th. Yes, yes. I, I know you know like a lot of people probably think about Black Oak Hillistry. Maybe the first thing they think about is the Green Book, and that's like in the 1960s, right? That was so, yeah. That that started in or 1930 1933 to 67. So, we're talking oh. about 200 years before that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I know, I know, people are going to be blown away by yeah. it. Um, it, I mean, the first story in the book begins with um, Rachel Pringle Polgreen. Um, she owned a hotel in Barbados. It was actually a hotel tavern called the Royal Navy in Bridgetown, Barbados. But we all we go all the way through um, black hotel ownership through the Jim Crow era, Renaissance era, the twenties, thirties, civil rights, and then until today. Yeah. So there's a last chapter, um, you know, called Keepers of the Flame. And that's where you have 
you know, people like Davon Reeves and, and Sheila Johnson and Martinique Lewis and Vaughn Davis. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, people, I'll just give you a few names. That's Joseph right. Vaughn's in your book. Davon also, you know, does a podcast for you. Yes, yes. She's in, she, and she deserves, this too. yeah, she, she's in there. Um, and so, um, I mean, people like, they won't know Joseph Lee, you know, I put the, I wrote an article on Joseph yeah. Lee, one of my favorite guys. Um, who had the Woodland Park Hotel? He opened in 1883. Yeah, in Newton, Massachusetts. Barney L. Ford. He had two huge hotels, Interocean in Denver, Colorado, and Cheyenne, Wyoming, in 1873. Yeah. Maggie Sneed, 1909. Rebecca Howard, 1862. The Mount View Resort Hotel and Resort by a lady named Annie Box and her husband Curly. Curly Neal in Oracle, Arizona, 1895. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, um, and, and I probably have, um, I'm going to say 60 to 70 more of those. Yeah. Yeah. And now we talk about all the time. You're like, I've got thousands of these, Robert. you got so many stories. I can just go on and on and on and on. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I could, I could. It's just, um, and you know, the book itself, I'm, I'm, it's probably going to be about 200 and maybe, maybe, maybe close to 50, 250 pages, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I can't, that, you know, what's going to be the hardest part, Robert? deciding which ones get go in because i can't put them all in of course because right. there were people that had tourist homes and stuff like that uh, a lot of motels and things like you know so i tried to pick and select the ones um Calvin, that sounds people like you have more than one book in you sounds like you might have more than one <laughs> don't say that hey, you know how hard it was to get this one <laughs> <laughs> don't say that but i could I could, um, you know. Hey, the first one's the hardest, right? But like yeah, after you get this yeah. one out there, like I know it's been quite a project for you, like getting yeah. the funding, but you have yeah. great news. You got all the funding in place. So this book yes. is coming out soon, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at an eight to 12 month window. Um, um, once once all of the funding is, is, is funneled in, which should be within the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just feel like, I hope everybody that reads this book, um, will be inspired um because we're we're more than slavery man and and so you know a lot of stories and i, I know that's a very important part of our story but we are in, we are enterprising um creative innovative people and so when in a time when um we couldn't stay in white owned hotels we we built our own and that in itself during a time that's so challenging in the nation um, it's something to really be proud of. And so I wanted to make sure that this book, um, when people read it, regardless of color, was like, wow, and just really appreciate the contributions that African-Americans made to this fabulous industry we know today as hospitality. Uh, you know? Like you said early on, these some of these were boarding houses, right? They just had a couple of rooms or whatever. Some of yeah. them were full hotels, though. Some of them had restaurants. Some of them yeah. served food and beverage, right? Yes, yes. I mean, we're not just talking about you know, an extra room or something like what you can call today, like maybe an Airbnb or something. Yeah, like man. Breakfast. No, some we, of these we, were full-blown hotels, right? Yeah, yeah. We, and we, I mean, because people, you know, we we couldn't we couldn't travel. You know, we were it was dangerous to travel and drive yeah. around and go on vacation. I mean, it could even mean death in some instances for blacks. So, I mean, you had you know the Green Book was was, a, a, I mean, a, just a phenomenal resource. 
and you know to be able to go to places where where blacks were welcome. And yeah, we I think we we started Airbnbs, man. People were staying with us, you know, going on That's vacation, right. you know. So um, I I think a lot of people. I was glad. I don't know when the movie Green Book came out. What was it? 2018, 19? Uh, uh, I looked think, it up. The, the, 1936, I think, was the first. No, not 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 the, the so. book is. Yeah, not the book itself. The movie. Yeah. Oh, the um, movie. The movie came out. Yeah, the movie yeah. came out. Um, 2018. Yeah. 20, I, yeah. I think that that movie was, I think, a catalyst to a lot of people that hadn't even never heard of it before. What a right, Green right. Book was. Um, so, um, but you know, we, about we, that though. It was like, so the green book comes from the, the, the yeah. publisher, Victor yeah. Hugo, Victor, right? Victor Hugo green. He was a, he was a postal worker, um, in Harlem. Um, and he just started gathering information. Great. The cool thing is that his postal hit the people that he would work, he was working with. He asked them to feed him the information for the book when they were traveling, mm-hmm. where did they go? And he gathered that. Then he worked with some, I think it was SO gas stations where, where he was distributing it, him and his wife, Alma, um, who a lot of people don't talk about Alma, but she she played a significant role in getting that book and getting those published. But that was it. I mean, there when people go, they blacks had to use that book to go from place to place when they were driving because you know, there were sundown towns where they couldn't be in certain towns after dark which could mean, you know, death for them. So um, um, in some cases, so they had to really, a resource like that was just phenomenal. And it, it went from what, 33 to 67. Yeah. You know, but but Victor, even if you, you know, as I was writing about him, it, you know, of course there's a section in the book about it. Um, he wanted he wanted the green, the green book to end because he he wanted it to for blacks to have equal access wherever they went you know so right, he right. you know so he even though it was a necessary resource he didn't want it to go forever you know what i mean so right. um um so you know it, it and a lot of those properties that came up during that time were thriving because blacks just didn't have anywhere else to go um when they were going from city to city so um you know unfortunately as I always say, it was a blessing and a curse, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, when, when, you know, when it opened up, I think it was Lyndon Johnson who signed that that into into play. Um, you know, then blacks could stay wherever they wanted to. And yeah. so so what ended up happening? Is, is that, I mean, is that I, I, the history of the, the, is that why it stopped printing in the 60s then because of the yeah. Civil Rights Act? Yeah, basically. yeah, 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 because yeah. basically it wasn't necessary anymore. Um, you know, blacks were able to go ev- everywhere where they wanted to stay. So, it, on the on the negative side of that, flip side of that coin, all these all these black um, establishments they just went under um, because they all of their patronage was coming from black people. Now so, in care. some cases, yeah. right? But you know, but even but but the but the thing is that's weird. But a lot of people won't even when they when they read this book, what they're going to realize, Robert, there were some hotels that were black owned back then but but patronized but only had white clientele yeah there are some of those there are some yeah. situ there are some situations where you had a few hotels that were owned by white people but they were built for black people okay okay to stay yeah. in um like the hampton hotel um that is in uh, miami i mean that hotel's still there it's an event center now in a museum i think um 
it's, it was white owned, but all the black stars like Sammy Davis Jr., whoever came down to Miami to perform, they could only stay in that place. Um, and right. so, but it wasn't black owned. So you yeah. had those, it's a, it was just different situations where, right. um, um, so you had the black owned hotels for black people, you had the white owned hotels where black people stayed, you know, and then you had black, black hotels or only white clientele. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. it's, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's yeah. just a runs the gamut, but, um, but this book primarily probably 99% of them are mostly black owned hotels built for African-Americans, you know, black people. Yeah. 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 So yeah, man, it's it's been a great journey. I've learned a lot. I'm still learning stuff, man. I, I was watching a documentary somebody sent me um, called "The Color of Medicine," and it had another another lady in there. Um, let me see if I got her name. Um, that I didn't even I didn't even find her name was Annie Malone, and uh, she had in St. Louis. She had a hotel there that they also use to train black lawyers, lawyers. So, you know, it's just, it's just a lot. It was just a lot. So I'm continuing to learn. Like you said, I might have to have another book because. I, 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 I think that's where we're headed here, Calvin. It's the book series, the coffee table book series. So. Yeah, yeah. But, I uh, have yeah. to. But it's, you know, I have hotels in there. Um, of course, some resorts, black resorts are in there, like Bayshore Hotel and Resort, um, Martha, you know, the Inkwell, American Beach, Chicken Bone Beach, Highland Beach. I mean, so Idlewild, of course, a lot of people know about that one. Um, so it's, I try to make it, you know, I know when we put this book together, that's going to be the decision who goes in and who doesn't, you know, but yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that even if they don't get a full photo um, and and a profile, I want to make sure that there's they get a good honorable mention. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. I just think that um, you know, like people like um, like Jimmy Marshall who had a hotel. I mean, people Jimmy Marshall had a hotel in Manhattan in 1900. Yeah. Yes. 1900. Right on the court. 1900, and yeah. was a and was super duper successful. Um, and you know, unfortunately, when in situations and during that time, if you were too successful, they would always find ways to to make sure you don't continue. Um, and so your property, you know, his property actually, um, they they actually got him for what did they call it? Uh, color mixing. Yeah, yeah, uh, because actually, white people were coming there because he had jazz. They were playing jazz music and everything. Blacks were there, whites were there, mixed, having a great time. And I can't remember, it was this group that was actually put together to kind of go around to black establishments and make sure they were following the rules and- Stop and, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was called the, I got, they were called the nine, I can't remember the exact, but it was nine people that would go around looking and they kept trying to catch Jimmy doing stuff wrong and they couldn't. He ran a tight ship, um, but then they were like, oh, wait a minute. They ain't supposed to be mixing colors in here like this. So they they yeah, they put some stuff in place. So even even in that though, um, you know that that's I had to put those kind of things in there because yeah. it still it still illustrates the strength and perseverance. Perseverance, absolutely, it's good work that, for that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, and it's it's not. That's why I said I don't want. I want every I want everybody to read this book and feel like wow this is amazing that despite the yeah. challenges that the yeah. yeah, African Americans faced 
they still push through. I, I, I think it's absolutely inspiring to read about the challenges, the things that were overcome, but no, I mean, obviously, you know, mm -hmm. centuries, you know, in which, you know, some of those challenges just weren't going to be overcome for a long time. So you just had to kind of face them day in, day out. Yeah, but I thought yeah. it was remarkable in reading some of the some of the articles you've written about the people that you're writing about in your book, the articles you wrote for H&N, um, that, uh, that hotels were, were really attacked to prosperity for black people like so long ago. Like they, this was a, this was a, a way, I mean, some of them got pretty wealthy. They were like the wealthiest people really in their community oh. because they were running these establishments. Oh, and man. Let me so tell you. Absolutely. And, and, and I mean, that's, that was some of the surprising things like, um, the number of African American millionaire hoteliers, millionaires, millionaires, yeah. Okay, Robert Reed Church, first black millionaire hotelier of the South. Dana A. Dorsey, he was Miami's first African American millionaire. Alonzo G. Wright, first African American millionaire in the city of Cleveland. Yeah. Um, and Madam Sarah Spencer Washington. Um, I love, I just love her story. One of the first African-American female millionaires. A lot of people know about Madam C.J. Walker, of course, but yeah. but actually Madam Sarah Spencer Washington, she was also in the hair care product industry. Yeah. But she she had a hotel um, actually in, in, um, in New Jersey um, as well. So, I mean, yeah, they, they just unimaginable. And a lot of wealth. And you'll see even when back in the 1900s, I mean, a lot of them, because um, I, what I did in the book, you know, of course, when they pass, you know, they'll have, you know, money left in, in, in some cases. Yeah. But then I would translate it to dollars of today. And there are a lot of cases where if it was today's dollar, it would have been like in, in the millions. So, yeah. I mean, you have a lot of situations like that as well. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Hidden figures, man. Hidden yeah. figures. Hidden yeah. figures of hospitality. Ooh, that might be the new title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Eight figures. I got it. I like that. Good. Good. Yeah. Hey, man. so Calvin, we we were talking about a lot of stuff that happened a long time ago. History, right? But like history is being written every day. Like we're yes. still writing history now. So talk to yes. you a little bit about some modern history, some modern black hotel history that's that's inspiring to you. Tell yeah. me a story about somebody that you that you've met out there that's really done something remarkable you, you, in the hospitality no. space. I am glad you asked me that question, Robert, because one of the coolest things about all the stuff in history, it it you you learn from that. So, you know, you don't want that kind of craziness to happen again. So, you know, that kind of environment. But however, yeah. there are still things that that are still relevant today. I mean, you look at the environment we're in now. Yeah. It's uncertainty, socioeconomic. I mean, you got challenges, you know civil unrest it's it's still a lot of that is still today just a yeah, different flavor just a right. different flavor just a different flavor but 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 still as an entrepreneur or or um you know or even as you know an employee you you got to be able to have that like we said iconic mindset right and focus on the okay. things you can't control it's the same thing to me so it, there is definitely a tie inspirational to me today is uh uh I, I would say um, Sheila Johnson, definitely. I know, I, and because I just think, I know she went through some challenges as well. I mean, I know she just has a new book, which I definitely need to buy, but um, but look at what she's been able to accomplish. 
been fantastic. Yeah. And and the the resorts and hotels that she's built um, are, are are just beautiful. And and I I got I can't wait to get in one of them. I know she just opened one in Washington D.C. downtown D.C. that used to be a Mandarin. Um, yeah. And um, so she what's, the, what's that hotel? What is that? Um, it is. Hotel? It's called Salamander Hotels and Salamander, Resorts. Yeah. yeah, Look, look her up, man. She's she's phenomenal. Um, um, another person that I just met. I was introduced to this guy, and I don't even know how he flew under the radar the way he did, but he is a guy named Vaughn Davis. Okay. Vaughn Davis owns runs Relevant Hospitality. But he runs a hotel in Hollywood called Dream Hollywood Hotel. Mm -hmm. But he has several others. But the guy is definitely, uh, I would say, one of the most innovative and cutting edge hoteliers I've seen. Um, he he's he's into the the NFT space, all of that, and um, he's just he's 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 on another level. And I, I was super impressed by, when I met him as well. Um, of course, what Davon is doing is truly inspirational. Um, I love her heart because she's trying to help um, um, African Americans get into hotel ownership because we only still own two to three percent of all the hotels out there. So she's on her mission. I love her for what she's doing. Tracy Prigmore as well, uh, for she has a deal. Um, so all of them are doing, you know, their part in different ways. Um, uh, Martinique Lewis, I think she had a great documentary on um, Nat Geo last year about hotel, you know, historic hotels and and, and tourism and things. So there, there are a lot of people are out there making a difference, um, and I just think that I think that's just so cool, man. I just think that's awesome, yeah, and just yeah. you know, and and yeah. and even in your case, Robert, we we've been what since last year. You opened up your door to your your magazine. Um, to for me to share stories with 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 your readers, and I mean that's, hey man, I appreciate that as well because it gives me an opportunity um, to share something that people have not known, and you know you yeah. opening up that medium for me to do that even on this podcast, I'm super appreciative of it. Alan, you've taught me a lot. Um, you know, <laughs> I always do appreciate enjoying my time spent talking with you. I always learn something. I always feed off of that energy, man. You just got Thank all that you. great energy, <laughs> and I just, I just love it. And it's been such a pleasure, really, to share some of the stories from your book and H and N. And I think we got a couple more, at least a few more, uh, in the, uh, coming up uh, in the can, so people can keep a lookout uh, at Hotel News Now on on the CoStar News uh, site uh, for some more excerpts from Calvin's uh, uh, upcoming book, uh, which I said will be. Um, heavily distributed and uh, heavily read and, and widely enjoyed. That's what um, I'm praying for. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm praying for. <laughs> absolutely. Calvin, anything, uh, any uh, closing thoughts you'd like to share? Um, no, not, I mean, the only thing I, I just want to say is that, you know, I, I, I'm just, again, excited about the book and being able to share this information. Um, I just want, I just hope people will be inspired to read it with an open mind. And um, just really, um, you know, because I, I just believe you can't tell American history without Black history. And I just, I wanted to have an opportunity to share because we're all, hey, look, we're all human. We're all people. And I know a lot of, us, you know, we have a past and and I just wanted us to, I wanted to put something together that would inspire people um, 
and 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 look and look towards the future, man. And I just want to just and a lot of people, like I said, has helped me. And um, you know, if you you do pick up a copy, share it, and you know, let people know, man, because I just think it's going to I just think it's going to blow the doors open on some some knowledge that people just have never thought about before. I know you put a lot of time and heart into this project. I know it's all going to come out in print. I can't wait to see a copy of it myself. And, and <laughs> me, me too. Me, me too, man. Well, tell me where I can get mine. So, I'm, uh, I'm oh, you got you got one, man. Sure. You, and, I got uh, you. <laughs> I got you. One other thing, but now that you're kind of wrapping this up, I know you still got some some uh, some time some work to put into it. But what other projects have you got on the horizon? And and where are you going to be? I know you're out there in the industry all the time. You're traveling around. You're giving presentations. Where can where people where are people going to see you? Well, you know what? I have, you know, I'm working with an organization now um, as well called the Advanced uh, Leadership Institute based in Pittsburgh. Um, and actually, the organization has been in play for about six years or so now. It's run by the, the guy that I mentioned earlier, Evan Frazier. Um, he's the CEO. And um, I'm going to I'm, I'm actually joining. I've been involved with the organization for a while now. And so now I'm leading the executive programs. And so basically what what Tally does for short is uh, prepare African Americans for C-suite positions. Um, of course, I'm, I'm, I want to see more in the hospitality industry, you know, across the board. So um, that that I'm heavily involved in, and of course, I'm still speaking. Um, I think my next my next keynote um, actually it's 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 not really a keynote. It's a training session, a three day training session in Outer Banks. Which is gonna be cool, okay. <laughs> yeah. and you know, then I have a healthcare conference that I'm I'm doing in in um, in Orlando, and you know, some other just a mix of a mix of stuff. I like to keep myself busy, um, but but I know once this book is is gonna be a lot of hopefully book signings, yeah. keynotes, um, and things of that nature. Um, but but the but the Advanced Leadership Institute is something near and dear to my heart. As well, because I've been a I've been a C-suite um, as an African American, it can be challenging sometimes. You know, particularly when you're the only one in the room. You know, yeah. so so I think um, organizations like Tally are 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 uh, instrumental in helping kind of change the trajectory of of and face a C-suite in corporate America. So yeah, so I'm proud to be a proud of that. Yeah, Calvin, thank you. Thank it's been you. such a pleasure as always talking to you. Thank you for being here with me on that. Hotel News Now podcast, uh, and um, stay tuned for more from California. Thank you, Robert. I really appreciate your time and, and advocacy and support, man. This means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you, Cal. Hi, I'm Isaac Colazzo, Vice President of Analytics at STR. Hi, and I'm Jan Feitak, National Director for Hospitality Analytics for the CoStar Group. Tune in to our new show, Tell Me More, a hospitality data podcast. It's a podcast on the global hotel industry, its current trends, what we're thinking about, and where the industry's going. And we like to have fun with the data, too. Find us on hotelnewsnow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today. This episode of the Hotel News Now podcast was recorded on February 7th and edited by Robert McKeown. You can find this and other H&N podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find podcasts. I'm Robert McKeown. Thanks for listening.